Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Jesus is alive. You know, I've got a, um, a scripture here we're going to start with in Matthew 28. And, you know, and I was just going to put in like this one verse that says he's risen, but I'm going to give you the whole thing because it was just so cool. But I was just thinking about it. You know, whatever problems we're facing today, I know they can seem big. Remember, he's risen. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for you, for you. He's risen. That's like the foundation of Christianity that Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive today. This is a day to celebrate. I mean, we should celebrate it every day, you know? You know, we don't have to put on a suit and do everything every day. You don't need to wear a suit to come on Easter either. But I tell you what, we should celebrate every day. We should live every day like Jesus is alive. I'll tell you, this is the gospel message. He, God loves you. He sent Jesus. He died for you. He rose from the dead. There's power in that message. I feel like, you know, on an Easter, everybody is so focused on, on the resurrection that there's just like electricity in the air, you know? It'll, it'll make you numb. It'll make you uh, on fire. It'll make you all kinds of things. Uh, and and oh, Can I just tell you this? Pastor Stephen was up here talking about coffee and tea and all that. And Kiara told me an interesting thing, that there's a drink that you can mix an espresso and a chai tea, and it's called a dirty hippie. So I tell you, I am down for that. I am down for that. I'm going to have it. And, and, and uh, I might even put it in a Love Church mug. But, but there's power in the resurrection. You know, I feel like on Easter, I don't know, did anybody ever watch Andy Griffith? couple, few, and, and, and there was an episode once where, where, you know, Barney somehow found out this goat ate this dynamite, and everywhere he went, people were afraid, well, they, they tried to find the goat, they were going to put him in jail, and trying to keep him from anybody from touching him, because they felt like if they just touched him, he'd go, Phew. that's how I feel this morning, I feel like a loaded goat, <laughs> a dirty hippie with a loaded goat. Woo! Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. The gospel's real. We don't just believe a fairy tale. We believe the reality and the truth. You know, how many know Peter and Marcia? If you've ever been to the Fall Harvest Festival or the Ice Cream Social here at Love Church, it's out at Peter and Marsha's house. Well, this morning, Marsha's mother, Rose, is with us. And, you know, uh, Rose and, and I and Peter, or not Peter, but Marsha, we go back over more than 50 years. And it's really tough when you're only 40 that you go back 50 years. But <sighs> that we, we went to this church, you know, my, our family went to the same church there that Rose went to and, and Marsha as a kid in the neighborhood that I was growing up in in North Minneapolis. But, but Rose was telling me a testimony this morning because Jesus is alive. And, and her son, Larry, had thyroid cancer. And I remember this about, I don't know how long ago, a month or two ago, that Peter and Marcia came up. You know how after the service we pray for people? This one Sunday, Peter and Marcia came up. And I said, oh, Peter and Marcia, what's up, you know? And we were going to pray, and I think 
Dana was up here, I forget who was with us, but, but you know, Marcia told us the story about her brother that Larry was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and he was going to have a surgery. And I remember we prayed, and then I remember the, the prayer group here at church, they prayed about it. And, and, and Sharon Trainer, I know you prayed about it. And different people prayed, and, and you know what happened? How many want to know what happened? He went in for the surgery, and they, put a, they opened him up, and they didn't find any cancer. Jesus is alive. He's alive. Just remember that today, that, that he's alive. That's what it's all about. I mean, I don't knock Easter bunnies. I think, you know what, I think as Christians... We ought to get over ourselves. We ought to be able to have fun. You know? It's not about an Easter bunny, but I don't fall off my chair when I see an Easter bunny. Although my granddaughter Eleanor yesterday went to a, a thing at her church in Portland, Oregon, and, and uh, there was an Easter bunny, and, and she was afraid of it. So my daughter said the whole time they were there, Eleanor kept tabs on that bunny. She's like Kara, she's like Casey, she's like my kids, you know. I said, she comes by it honestly, Casey. <laughs> All right. Matthew 28. So, I mean, you're going to see why I just couldn't read verse 6. This whole story is so epic. It says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to draw, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Do you, do, you ever, do you read that part? There's a great earthquake. And an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I mean, how, how bad is that? Just sits on the stone. I mean, hey, those angels, they know how to do it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing white as the snow. And the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. But the angel answered, and this is just an angel. This isn't even Jesus. This is just an angel. The angel said, answered and said to the woman, don't be afraid. You know, isn't that always the message of heaven? Fear not. Don't be afraid. This world will have you trembling. Our minds can go places that make us fear. But when God comes on the scene, when heaven comes on the scene, it's, they say, don't fear. Put it aside. Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And he's not here. He's risen. He said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Behold, I have told you. They went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. <laughs> Shaking off that fear, yeah. And, and, and great joy and, and ran to bring the disciples the word. Again, it's, this is what it's all about. Jesus isn't dead. He isn't in the grave. He's alive. So this morning, for the few minutes that we have together, I just want to talk about some different perspectives you know, you know, the Bible's full of different perspectives. It, it's, a, it's a combination of a lot of people, you know, many times talking about the same things, but we see the, the, the fuller picture when we see 
you know, other perspectives. You know what I'm talking about? Did you see that video? I, I, there you go. The pers different perspectives of the cross. Thank you, Neil, for bringing that cross out there, too. And, and uh, praise the Lord. You know, it looks different from every angle, but it's the same message. You know, you could go back through the Gospels, and there were times when, when the disciples that walked with Jesus, they had a perspective that, that Jesus came to set up an earthly kingdom, and when he died on the cross, they lost all their hope. It got sad, and, 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 and Peter actually went back to fishing, you know? He said, well, I guess I'll go back to what I used to do. I'll, I'll act like I used to act or think like I used to act. But you see, Jesus, the story wasn't over because they didn't know that Jesus rose from the dead. It changes everything. So I was looking through the Gospels, and, and I just want to read you a few things that Jesus talked about that he, he proclaimed while he was here on the earth. Some Jesus perspective this morning, one of the perspectives. You know, in Matthew 16, 21, it says this, that from, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, be killed and raised on the third day. I find this so interesting that Jesus, through his, his time with the disciples in the three and a half years that he was, you know, doing kingdom business on the earth, he openly proclaimed that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to die, and, and he never leaves this out, that he was going to rise up from the dead. There's three times in the, just the book of Matthew that he says this exact thing over and over. And you know what happened when he'd say these things? It was just a message that would just go right over everybody's head. Nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. You know, I think about my own self, and I think sometimes God says things to me that go, but when the time is right, you'll know. When the time is right, you'll rise up. Hey, there's hope for us. In John 12, 23 and 24, it says, Jesus answered them and said, The hours come, the Son of Man shall be glorified. But it most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it'll produce much grain. You see, Jesus had a vision. He, had, he saw his mission. He saw that he was going to affect every man, every woman on the planet. His death was not going to be a death of a martyr. His death was not going to be a failure. His death was the doorway into what God had planned, and that was the resurrection that impacts every one of our lives. John 12, 32 and 33, Jesus said this. He said, and I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he said this, signifying what death he would die. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't go there uh, for his own good. He went there for our good. He went there and he became all that we were so that he could pay the price. Rise from the dead victoriously for you and me. He did it for us. In Luke 9, there's a story. You can, you can pull it up. In verse uh, 28 is where I'll step in. It says... Uh, I'm just going to read two, three verses here. It says, It came to pass about eight days after these sayings that Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up into the mount, on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, and it, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, 
which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Is this, this is wild. I mean, I love this story. This is one of my favorite prayer stories. Jesus was going to pray, as his, his custom was, and this time he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he's up there on the mountain praying, and I didn't put in the whole every verse, but I just wanted to point this out, that, that Moses and Elijah actually, they joined him right there. I mean, I, that's never happened to me, that Moses and Elijah just teamed up with me in prayer, but they did with Jesus this time, and the disciples saw it. And what, was so, what stood out to me is that what Moses and Elijah talked about was the mission that Jesus had. That he was going to die and rise from the dead. Heaven knew about this. Heaven was cheering Jesus on. I'm telling you what, heaven is cheering you and I on. I got people in heaven that are cheering for me. You have people in heaven that are cheering for you. They're watching the race that you run. They may not be concerned about what kind of shoes you wore today or what, what you know, kind of hat you had on or, or any of that, but I tell you, they might not even care if you drink coffee or tea. <laughs> Dirty hippie. But, but uh, they know, they know when you're running your race. They know when you're on your mission. They know when you're affecting the people around you. And they're cheering for you. Isn't that something? Now Jesus, Jesus' perspective of the, the cross. I look over here for the cross. It's outside. He's, he's alive. They look over, you know, but Jesus' perspective of the cross and the death and the burial and the resurrection. Hebrews 12.2 says it so beautifully. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what Jesus saw when he looked at the death and the, the burial and the resurrection? He saw you and me. We are the joy that was set before him. He said, yes. You know, it didn't look, I mean, I, I tell you, the cross, it, can't, it couldn't have looked good to anybody. But Jesus said, I see what's beyond it. I see the people. I see the gems there at Love Church in 2022. I'm going forward. Paul's perspective. How many know the great apostle Paul? He's a man of God. He, he wrote most of the New Testament you know, he wasn't always, uh, uh, you know, a crusader for Jesus. He was actually uh, uh, an enemy of the church until he had an encounter on the road to Damascus that changed his life forever. Now, can you imagine the Apostle Paul if, if a, maybe a reporter, do you think they had reporters in that day? Maybe. Well, let's pretend they did. What if a reporter were to walk up to the Apostle Paul and say, Paul, with great respect, I, I approach you today. You, you, you've done some amazing things. But could you tell me, what, what do you see when you look at the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection? Here's some things he might have said. Galatians 2.20. Paul would, might, might come back at a reporter and say, well, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because Paul looked at the death and the burial and the resurrection, and he saw himself there. He said, that was Jesus on the cross, but I tell you, I was there with him. I was there with him when he died, when he was buried, and when he rose from the dead because he did it for me. He did it with my jersey on. 
You know, it was just like he was playing a game and, 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 and he was playing, a, what do we play, football? I'm not going to even go Packers, Vikings, because I don't want to divide the crowd. There's enough division to tell you what. But we were playing football, and the favorite team was playing, and they were up against the enemy, and they were losing, but somebody came in and said, hey, time out. And this guy comes in, and he puts on my jersey. I sit down, and this guy puts on my jersey, number 14. Goes back on the field, and I'm telling you, one-handedly, he wins the game. And you know what the press says? They give it all to my credit. They said, my, there was a guy out there in number 14, and he did the work. He did it. He did it for me. He put your jersey on too. He did it for you. Are you out there today? Yes. Another version of uh, Galatians 2.20 I want to read. It was the Noli version. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ. Now it's not my old self, but Christ himself who lives in me. Did you hear that? It's not your old self in you anymore. It's Christ himself living in you. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 Again, the Apostle Paul saw these things about the death, burial, and resurrection. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he said, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for me, for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Paul said, you see the cross? You see Jesus on that cross? I'm telling you what, God made him to be sin for you and me, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Living Bible says he took the sinless Christ, poured into him our sins, that in exchange, then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. What an exchange, folks. This is, this is resurrection time. This is a day to celebrate Jesus is alive. Colossians 2.15, again, the Apostle Paul saw this. He said, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. What did Jesus do? What happened with Jesus? The JWC wand version. Anybody got that with them today? I got it here. Don't worry. He stripped away like a cast-off garment every demonic rule and authority, and he made a public exhibition of them. Wow. Tell you, man, Jesus, you're cool. Romans 6.6, 6. again, Apostle Paul, looking at the cross, looking at the death, burial, and resurrection, he said this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we'd no longer be slaves of sin. Are you seeing that today? Are you seeing what Paul saw? He said that death, the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection was the end of the old me. Now it's the new me living here today. Wow. Um, the Cressman Bible, I'll read that one too. It says, the old person we used to be was nailed to the cross with him. Now, it's good to see Jesus' perspective. And I like seeing Paul's perspective. But what I want to tell you this morning, what I want to leave you with is what our perspective is. Okay? And I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't know this, this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church. He specifically prayed it for the church at Ephesus, but I'm telling you, it's by the Holy Ghost, and it's for us today. You hear me today? Yay. Everybody's there? All right, good. Ephesians 1, verse 15, it says this. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... 
I don't, make, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I tell you, what, that's what we want. We want a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who he is. There's things that, that only the Holy Ghost can show you. You know, I, I went to this church when I was a kid. Same one that, that Rose back here went to and the same one that Marcia went to. And, you know, that stuff just went over my head. I didn't get it. You know, it was just like a, a bunch of words to me. It, was, it was, was a bunch of religion to me, you know. And I went off and did my thing. And it was 20 years old before, you know, the Holy Spirit just made it real to me. When he makes it real to you, it changes your life. It wasn't the Holy Spirit's problem. It took 20 years. Just in case anybody wondered, it was me. It was my choice. My door was closed. Did you ever see that picture? I remember my grandma used to have a picture in her house. And it was Jesus knocking on this door. And of course, from the outside, there was no knob. He was stuck. The only way you could open it was from the inside. I had to open the door and let him in. Where was I? <laughs> 17, 18, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you'd know what is the hope of his calling. With the riches of the glory of his inheritances in the saints. Verse 19, this is, this is where it, it gets even better. Paul praying for you and me. He's praying that we'd see the gospel. They would see the work of Jesus. And he's praying, he says, that we'd see the exceeding greatness of his power. The King James Bible on the screen says, toward us, footnote of my study Bible says, the exceeding greatness of his power in us. I kind of like it that way. The exceeding greatness of his power in us who believe. Now listen to this. Can you sit in your seat and hear this? Listen. According to the working of his mighty power, which he, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named. You know, they, I've heard teachings on this particular passage of Scripture that there's different, you know, categories of devils. This and over and again in Ephesians 6, I've heard teaching on that. But what God did in Christ, what the Holy Ghost did in him, it brought him, it rocketed him far above every class of devil there is. Some people say, oh, you don't know the kind of devil I'm being attacked with. I'm telling you, I, I may not. But Jesus was raised higher than every demonic force. I remember when we came to Menominee 21 and a half years ago, and, you know, we, 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 we had people come out the first Sunday. You know what we did? We had a real big strategy to come here. We got a building that we rented, and we put an ad in the paper, and we just started having church. That was our strategy. And we had people come, and I, I, I remember good-hearted good people that say, oh, you don't understand the kind of devils there are in this town. I was like, really? What's up? Yeah, well, I tell you, a church like this, spirit-filled church, you know, you know, that's how they labeled it. They said, they just don't make it in this town. 
There have been a few that tried. They make it maybe a year or two. They won't make it more than that. Well, 21 and a half years later, here we are. We're just getting started. 21 again. I'm going to start again. It says far above. I love it that it says far above. You know, Jesus was resurrected, not just barely over their heads. It's like the guy had, the devil had a crew cut. Jesus barely tipped his toes on the crew cut, you know. No, far above. All principality, all power, all might, dominion, and every name that's named, not only this age, but that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, you know what happens next? You go into chapter 2. Now, when the Bible was written, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote this particular letter. He didn't write, well, I'm going to write chapter 1. I'm writing a letter right now, and I haven't yet made chapter 1 and chapter 2. I'm still working on a page. But, but the, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verses. It's just put in by the translators to help us, and I'm glad they did. It helps me. But he goes on with the same thought, and he says this. He says, and you. Can you say, and me? talking about the explosive power that raised Jesus from the dead. And then he says, and you, you were made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, who walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, were by nature children of wrath, just as others, but God... But God. Some people say, but the devil, but the devil, but you don't understand my circumstances. Well, I'm going to say, but God. Yeah. Dana and I were taking communion this morning, and we were talking about all the buts in the Bible. You know, everybody has a but. Some people are like goats. They're always butting. This is like a, there's a goat theme today. But I'm telling you what, we've got a but, and it's but God. Let all this stuff be out here, but, but God. But Jesus, he's Lord. God who's rich in mercy because of his great love, where, which, which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, he made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I heard this years ago, if you talk about the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus, it's like a group picture. Did you ever get in a group picture? We endeavor to get a group picture of our family every time we're all together. I remember being at camp as a kid, or actually as a, as a 20-year-old, I went to a Bible camp after I got saved. And I remember the last day they had this photographer. I don't know if they still do it this way, but this guy had this camera, and it, and it went, he did this. He took, pushed the button, and he went, I guess that's the panoramic thing on the old iPhones or whatever. Anyway, but, but he took a picture of the whole thing. And, and you know what? After, he must have been a few days before the end because I remember on the last day the pictures came out. And, and uh, you know what I did when I got that picture? First thing I did? I looked for me. 
I wasn't caring about all these other people. I wanted to see what I looked like. Like, you know, was I blinking, you know, scratching my ear? What was I doing? But, you know, when you look at the death, burial, and resurrection, it's a group picture. And the first thing you ought to look for is you. Is you. Couple, couple hummers here, and then I'm going to have Pastor Stephen come up. All right? 2 Corinthians 5.17. See, this is what happens because of the death, burial, and resurrection. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ... He's a new cre creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Can I read a couple of versions? You know I will, anyway. Jordan, Jordan says, therefore, if a man is a Christian, he's a brand new creation. The old guy is gone. Look, a new man has appeared. Let me tell you, you're new today. You're new. Street Christian Bible says, when a person comes to know Jesus, all the old trash drops off. He's got a whole new life started. Then the Frank Laubach version says, if a man is in Christ, he's, a, he's created anew. The man he was has passed away, and behold, a new man has been created. One more verse. I want you to get this one. This is this one coming, was coming at me this week. Talking about Easter, talking about Jesus, talking about what God did in Christ for you and me. Romans 8, 11, it says this, that if the same spirit, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead will give life. He'll also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Jesus is alive. And the good news is you're alive. You're alive with the life of Christ. You're alive with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He's living in you. Blows my mind. Mine can't even grab it, but this is what I grab it with, my inner man. I grab it with my heart, and I say, yeah, that's the truth. It's who I am.